Stefan flints off, punches it away. It's a high boot. Jane Harris drifting over near the sideline. And the Bruins forgot about him. And Harris galloping down the sidelines. It's Pittman checking touchdown USC. A 70-yard play. A switch up as they put it right near the sidelines, not to the regular returner. And it was just that they forgot about him. What's confusing to me is that UCLA has punt left set up to their left. And the punter puts it all the way to the right. To USC's credit, they had a the, the punt return man went to the right, drew the entire punt coverage team with him. And Pittman was all the way himself. And the UCLA punt coverage team never saw him. I'm not sure. I think this was 2017. Was anybody at this game? Yeah. Woo. All right. So y'all know the energy of it. Uh, if you can, always start a church service with a touchdown. That's always fun. Uh, well, my name is Barry Rogers. I'm the leader of the First Impressions te- team here at Church in the Valley. And um, today, uh, we're uh, that was a trick play that you just saw. It was really exciting. Something out of the ordinary. Actually, the first time I saw it, I said... Okay, he scored a touchdown, but what exactly just happened? Uh, we're not going to get into that. We can watch it later on the Internet. But um, in a trick play, uh, we see these all the time. It's, uh, it's exciting whenever you're watching a sporting event to see a trick play because you go, whoa, what just happened? That was amazing. I can't believe that guy did that. Um, but teams don't build their whole structure on trick plays. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. If you're not into football, don't worry. I'm going to try to explain things here. But um, I, I get excited about football. But basically in this series, we're not talking about trick plays. We're going back to the Bible. We're going back to the proven playbook. And we're looking for those proven plays, the kind of things that you really can build your life on. So like I said, I love football. Um, I just got married three months ago. Holly, wave your hands. There you go. If you haven't met her, she's very nice. Um, but one thing that comes as a package deal with me is a little bit of education about football. I, I grew up in Louisiana, so I'm a big uh, Saints fan. Uh, I'm an LSU fan. It's okay. I know I don't get any cheers for that one. And I have, a, I have become a Trojan fan. So I was happy about the win yesterday. For all the UCLA fans, I am so sorry. This is, we'll talk after the service. Um, but I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I, I don't know why, but if I really love something, the people that are around me, they need to kind of love it too. So Holly and I have watched a few football games. I've explained things to her. But one thing, uh, as we're talking about it, uh, she, she likes baseball. And so it's a little bit different than football. As I'm explaining things, I go, oh, this is really simple. Let me, let me just, this is the rule. And then I realize, well, no, because of that rule, there's these three rules and it can be pretty complex. And when you look at a football game, you see a lot of complexity isn't just because it's a complex game, but it's also because they're trying to create a situation where they can take advantage of the other team to get a, get an edge on their opponents. And so you see, um, some deception, you see secrecy, 
Um, I got a couple pictures just to kind of illustrate this. Uh, one is um, trick play. Sorry for the grainy. My, I'm, I'm, I'm new at getting high quality images from the internet. Uh, but you can see this, uh, this play. Uh, the, the football player is really small, and so he can, uh, he has an advantage. They can't see him behind this line, so they run this play all the time where he can run out and score a touchdown. It's really exciting. Uh, but coaches are looking for ways to. Uh, accentuate their strengths and downplay their weaknesses. Um, you see these game uh, game film rooms. Some uh, NFL teams have these really massive rooms. It's not for watching movies. They're literally watching plays, and they're looking for the key elements in the plays. What are the deceptions that other teams have done to fool them? So it's kind of an interesting part of the football uh, training. The next thing is signal calling. Now more and more you'll see these kinds of things, uh, weird, weird play calling schemes. And the idea is to signal your, your, uh, your play to the field, but then to distract the other people. Actually, if you look at the quarterback here, he looks kind of confused. So I don't know how effective this is. It's Clemson, so they're pretty good. Um, and then the next one is uh, Peyton Manning. So Peyton Manning is known as uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks because he was able to, you see him pointing over here to one of the decent defensive players, he was really, really good at picking out deception, looking at the other side and saying, they're, they're trying to do this, they're trying to do this. He was calling plays so that everybody would know what deception is taking place. Again, you don't have to be into football. You just saw my blood pumping a little bit. But, um, but basically in sports, uh, in football particularly, you see uh, secrecy and deception as a strategy they use to gain an advantage on the competition. Um, what if we used, or what if these teams used the same strategy against themselves? What if the quarterback didn't signal, uh, or signaled, uh, deceptive calls to his other players on the team so they didn't know what was going on? What if people, uh, the, the coach hid the playbook from the other players? Um, if we use the same strategy used against an opponent, it just doesn't work. And in relationships, it's kind of like that. If we use uh, deception and, um, and secrecy, uh, it just doesn't work out well. Uh, we can't build relationships that way. At Church in the Valley, um, we have uh, proven plays that we use, and these are the plays that we use to relate to each other. Um, the longer you're around in Church in the Valley, you'll hear about the plays that we run, the, the practices and things that we do to relate well to each other. These aren't, these aren't original. We didn't make this up. Um, these are New Testament uh, core beliefs uh, that we hold to and we, inter- we use to interact in a way uh, that not only pleases God, but allows us to team up and accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us. Um, and that's very important. Today we'll be looking at the, the next play in this whole series that we're looking at of proven plays that's crucial uh, to building trust. And so um, when trust is violated, progress stalls out. And uh, you've probably seen in relationships when trust is broken, uh, there's a regrouping. There's a, a, a process where people just don't know what to do. Uh, they don't know who you are. And um, trust really is the bedrock of relationships. It's essential for any uh, any group, any team, and any church. So uh, the third proven play uh, is critical for us as a, as a church body. And so this is what it is. Uh, the play is to live an open, honest life before others. So in the Bible, you see this as a theme throughout uh, 
throughout scripture. Uh, but the first one uh, I wanted to point out to you is Leviticus 19.11. I apologize. When I made the handout, uh, I didn't put these scriptures in. So if you just want to write them down, that might uh, kind of help. Uh, these are really, really helpful. Uh, basically, what this scripture is, is God was telling Israel some just ground rules that would allow them to succeed as a um, as a people. And so this one says, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Pretty basic, very, very simple. Uh, but this would really impact the way they related as an entire community. Um, imagine if there was a community that didn't abide by this in their families, relating to their spouses, relating to your children, brothers and sisters, uh, co-workers, teammates. Uh, when we don't uh, abide by this very, very simple uh, uh, rule, um, you can see kind of the chaos that could ensue. In the New Testament, we also see this. Um, Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 is a really, really good one. And it says, basically, uh, uh, Paul was laying out, he's an early uh, church leader, was laying out uh, some ground rules also to help the church kind of come together and grow. And it says, uh, then, we'll, uh, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the uh, cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So this first verse 14, you can kind of look at it as this is the old way. Uh, verse 15 is kind of the new way of doing things. Um, so uh, basically it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So we see two things. There's two ways to live, really. There's um, the natural way, the native way. In the, in the Bible, it talks about the old life. And if we live that way, then you know what? Deception makes sense. You know, keeping secrets, if it, if it benefits you, makes a lot of sense. Jesus offers us a completely new way. And that's really the, the kind of community we're trying to build here. If, uh, if you're new to hearing about Christianity, you've never heard um, about the, the change that Jesus can bring to your life, it opens a world of new options where before, yeah, you, you, you did whatever you had to survive. With Jesus, he, uh, he is our resource. Like he's the one who uh, gives us the ability to choose different things and come a new way. So basically in what Paul's saying here is that speaking truth and love, this is the new way. This is the game plan. This is the play that we're going to be running now. We're going to live open and honest lives. So uh, if you're uh, a member here, you've probably heard that this is kind of the way we do things. But um, we're looking to create really a very unique community here on earth as a church. We want to live based on God's word because that's the that's the proven play that if you run it over and over, year after year, uh, you'll see success in your relationship. So this isn't an option. This really is a command um, and uh, as a church, I think you could find lots of people that have testimonies of how this has been a huge help and uh, a resource uh, in their lives. So you see also in this, uh, in all things grow up. Uh, as a Christian, um, we don't start off as finished products. When you accept Jesus, you become a new creation. But that doesn't mean that the old ways are completely done away with. So if you've come here today and you're thinking, ah, I don't know if I could do this Jesus thing because... I'm not perfect, or I don't have it all figured out, great. That's what this team is about. This is what uh, our church is about. We don't start off as finished uh, finished products, and God gives us resources so that we can make progress in uh, in growing. I am 34, about to turn 35, and 
I really do still say to myself often, man, I thought by now I would be at this place. I think something that God's changed in me recently is just to say, I'm glad I'm still alive, number one. And I'm glad that I know that what I'm not today, I can grow in that direction. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. If you haven't, um, if you haven't heard of uh, being open and honest before others, you're going to see how this really can give a huge benefit to your life and that you really can grow as you relate uh, to other people around you. Here's basically a simple illustration of open and living an open and honest life is that um, this is why we ask that people wear name tags. Not everybody wears name tags, I know. But um, we ask that we, uh, as a community, get name tags. Number one, it makes us all to where we can get to know each other. Because if you know a person's name, you know, you can connect and you don't have to feel awkward about, oh, I forgot that person. This is the third time I met them, that kind of thing. We all do that. But this is the first communication that we have to say, hey, we're a community about being known. And so by putting on a name tag, you can be known. That's like the basic level. By being here together in a room together on Sunday mornings, uh, we can be known because we can bump into each other on the way out and that sort of thing. But what I want to encourage you and challenge you on this morning is that if this big room and the name tag is the extent of being known, you'll notice that the ability of uh, the growth that comes from this kind of community is limited. So I'm going to challenge you in that this morning. Uh, another verse, uh, Paul is describing the early church as a body. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Again, you see these two ways of living. There's the falsehood and speaking truthfully. These are, this is uh, kind of the image that you see kind of throughout Scripture, the old way and the new way. And Paul describes us uh, as a body, which is a, pet- a powerful metaphor because we've all been there and we've all uh, seen how uh, the many members of our body really do work together. So I recently just got over cold. You might still hear it maybe a little bit. Um, I am unbelievably amazed at the – my energy level doesn't just get um, – completely gone just because I'm sick. When I wake up in the morning, I have my first cup of coffee. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to attack the day. Uh, Later on in the day, though, this upper respiratory issue that I was experiencing starts to internally invade, and the parts start to work against themselves. Suddenly, it's in my brain. Then it gets to my ears. Everybody around me can hear the squeakiness of my voice. But pretty soon, I'm being fully attacked from the head down. And so um, while I still want to get things done and I want to work hard at work, uh, you know, being sick in one little part of your body can mean you're taken out completely. So the same way is if we as a church, which are a body, and today, you know, you can see way we have a lot of members. If those members aren't working together, and in fact, if they're working against each other, you can see that the body's not really going to get to move forward. Um, I just focus you again as, uh, like a football team, we have a goal. And in order to get to that goal, which is what Jesus wants for our lives, we have to work together. So let's break this down a little bit. What are the two parts here? There's honest and open. So the first one, honest, is to be free from deception and lies. They're basically two opposites that you see here. Sometimes it's really helpful to look at the opposites of the things that you're looking at to get a better idea of what's going on. 
Uh, here are the two opposites. One is to deceive and one is to lie. So deceive is to cause to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. I cause you to believe something that just aren't true. The second is to lie. Uh, make an untrue statement or create a false or misleading impression. So most of us, again, we hear those opposites and we go, ah, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not a bad guy. I don't, I don't just lie to, lie to people. I don't deceive people. Um, we generally, as a rule, think we're pretty good people. I think I'm a pretty good person. Um, but you can lie. We, we lie. You know, that's kind of uh, part of the human experience is uh, sometimes people ask you the right question or push the right button, and all of a sudden you found, you go, why did I say that? That was a complete lie. Um, do you remember this character, Pinocchio? Anybody watched uh, Pinocchio recently? Some people are admitting to that. Okay, cool. Uh, but Pinocchio, we know what his, uh, his characteristic was. When he lied, his nose would grow. So uh, most of us would say, um, I'm not a liar. I don't lie. But if the Pinocchio rule was in effect, we might have varying degrees of nose size in this room. You know, it just, it's the way it, it kind of goes. Um, you can imagine just all the different types of lies. There's obviously the bold-faced lie, uh, exaggerations, half-truths, what we call white lies, which when you look up the definition of white lies, it's still lying. Um, with every lie, it grows. And uh, honesty really does matter. Uh, honesty at every level in big and small things really does matter. And the interesting thing about Pinocchio is that obviously like our nose doesn't grow, but in the same way that Pinocchio distances himself from people with the length of his nose, that is kind of the, the illustration of what happens when we, um, when we lie. When we're not uh, truthful, uh, people are pushed away. They don't know what to do with us. It's, it's a really confusing situation. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what we want to think about as we're, uh, as we're talking about honesty. Um, as Christians, uh, or as Christ followers, we're called really to, um, to do a couple different things. One is to walk in the truth. Uh, third, uh, uh, third John chapter four says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, the, again, these, this was a letter that was written, um, by John, and basically he's looking at the people that he's uh, he's worked with, and he's saying, "Man, this is great. They're doing what I what I had suggested, which is to walk in the truth. Um, it's really helpful." Jesus, at his very core, is truth. The Scripture says in John fourteen sixteen says, "I am the way and the truth and the life." Um, at at God's very nature, his very center is um, is truth. And so if we're going to be like him, then obviously that's something we need to grab tightly a hold of. Um, the, ne- the next thing is just a, a, a story in Acts uh, chapter 4, verses um, 36 through 5 through uh, 4. And again, you can read this one all on your own, but it's, it's a dimension of our spiritual lives and our life that we don't normally think about, but it, it opens us up to the demonic. If, um, if we're walking in God's way, that's truth. If we're not, that's the other team. And, um, and we could definitely talk more about that sort of thing, but when we're walking into, uh, the realm of lying, uh, there are effects that come from those lies, um, even small ones that, uh, are, uh, need to be considered. Another aspect of this is, uh, that life, a uh, light, which is truth, builds fellowship and darkness, deception, 
uh, destroys fellowship. First uh, John one seven says, uh, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. When we're honest with each other, we actually can have relationships. Um, I have two more images that kind of like help. Uh, these are just kind of memes that I found that uh, I think kind of help with this, but it says, uh, not telling the truth is the quickest way to turn yourself into a stranger. It's good to think about that one, let it sink in just a little bit. It's the quickest way to become a stranger. It's the opposite of a relationship. The next one, tell a lie once and all your truths become questionable. And in relationships, you know, you, you give people slack, you know, there's grace, uh, when people mess up, you know, there's a certain element of, um, eh, we'll let that one slide. I know them. They're not like that, that sort of thing. But uh, over time, uh, truth is a really, really important issue. It's something that we as a, as a church want to grab really tightly on because that's on, the only way that we can build uh, and consistently build our relationships. Uh, basically, if I'm honest, if you're being honest, uh, the person I present on the outside reasonably reflects the real me on the inside. If if you mess up, again, that's going to happen, but the person that you're, you're presenting reasonably reflects the person on the inside. Um, and what I present to be truth actually is the way things really are. Uh, we're making um, every effort as we're putting this practice into uh, into motion to um, to line up with truth. That's the the basic for that. Um, uh, Proverbs twelve twenty three says, "A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, uh, but the heart of fools blurts out folly." So, um, a good question that we're asking as we're going through uh, this aspect of honesty is, "Well, what are are there limits here?" Because I don't want to just open up and just tell everything under the sun. Well, it's really helpful to kind of look at uh, the way the scripture talks about words. And basically, the wise concept of words is that um, you limit them to what's helpful to other people. So uh, you see in this uh, proverb, you know, he's basically just saying that... Um, you know, the, the wise person keeps follow, or keeps his knowledge to himself because um, he's not just going to be blurting out things that aren't really helpful. Uh, there's two things basically that uh, are good guidelines that uh, for how we are to, um, I guess, limit the things that we're putting out. One would be accurate but not exhaustive. Exhaustive is everything I know, so we're not that person just opening up for everything. The other thing is uh, accurate, what really is going on. The aspect, the second aspect of this, um, and if you could scroll up, Enoch, it says uh, to, it's to be discreet and helpful. Again, um, discreet, discretion. I'm not telling everything. I'm only telling the things that are really helpful in that situation, in that circumstance. And what's helpful? What's going to actually help the other person? Um, as we're working with people, it's, it's common that we have opportunities to share things with them that might be helpful to them. Uh, but we might, you know, just kind of limit it down to certain things. I'm not going to tell them all of my stories and all that sort of thing. Kind of a helpful rule here is um, three different things. One is there's different different levels or three different levels kind of of our conversations, and this might help as we're trying to figure out um, what we're sharing with different people. One is mouth-to-mouth, let's say. This would be like hello language. So you're walking through the hall, somebody says hello to you, that sort of thing. That's kind of the level you're at. 
be at that level. You know, you're, you're kind of uh, getting to know the person. Uh, you talk about, you know, pretty general things. The next is head-to-head level. This is the next level. This is kind of the level that we should all be kind of moving towards in our relationship where uh, we're not just saying hello, but we're able to open up a little bit more. Maybe we talk about our favorite sports team. Maybe talk about our favorite restaurant. Uh, see what people are doing this weekend, that kind of thing. You see this in the office where people awkwardly ask themselves all these questions, either on Monday or Friday, that sort of thing. But you're kind of getting to know people. So if that's the level you're at, you know, that's kind of the thing. But we're, we're, we're all kind of moving towards is that heart-to-heart level. This is where a lot of trust is required, really, to relate to people on this level. And um, obviously, if somebody says, hi, how are you doing? It would be inappropriate, really, to, to dump on them maybe a heart-to-heart level fact. Maybe you ease right into that one. Um, but I know for some of you, it might not be uh, this issue of discretion might not be your thing. Uh, you might be a quieter person. You're not uh, like me who might dump a lot of facts on somebody else. Uh, but maybe your issue is that you need to take one of these steps and you need to open up in uh, a way that makes sense, open up to other people. And so um, anyway, these might be some guidelines that would be very helpful. Uh, the second aspect of this is um, open. And so <clears throat> to be open is to be exposed to question. And this is a critical aspect of this whole thing. I think for some of us, we look at the honesty aspect. And when you look through all those definitions and categories of honesty, you go, okay, I'll admit, there's times when I might bend a little bit or something like that. Uh, but openness is usually something that we don't normally challenge. Um, but as a body, we really need to be open because uh, this is what uh, what Paul was saying about us being built up. This is really how this, uh, this building up process works. So while some parts of my life are more private, questions can be answered or asked about uh, any of the areas of my life. So um, obviously, like I said, there's different levels in this room. Uh, there's people that I'm just getting to know, so I might have just said hi to you today, that sort of thing. Uh, there's people that we're going to filter out of this room. We'll be in the hall, and uh, maybe, you know, I'll meet one of you guys for the first time today, and we can kind of get to know each other a little bit. But there are people in this room that I've known for many, many years. Uh, they have challenged me in areas of my life that I am greatly indebted to them for the challenge and for calling things out or lifting me up and saying, hey, I know this seems bleak, but you can do this. Uh, those are kind of relationships that we're talking about here that if you're not opening up your life, uh, you're missing that. And so uh, there's certain people that you, uh, you, you need to find ways that you can open your life um, so that they can ask questions if it would be helpful, uh, that they could have input or they could just get to know you better. The next thing is a closed, uh, closed life generates distrust. It prevents genuine relationships and violates good judgment. So I believe that's the last blank in your handout. So that always is helpful to me because I forget to get those in for all the blank fillers. Uh, but basically the idea here is that um, if we're going to be people who build strong relationships, uh, distrust just can't be part of the equation. We have to knock that out. So here's the summary of this whole thing is that um, as a community, This is what we commit to. This is the play that we choose to run because this is the kind of growth that we want to see happen. When we're honest and we're open, we've seen how time and time again there's been help 
and there's been a change of course. People's lives have been changed. Um, and people have come back from really difficult situations. When we choose to live this way, we don't get stuck. So I just want to give a couple just very common practices that might be very helpful uh, to you as you try to figure out how to put this play into practice. One is to be known. Let's try to be known more than just the name tag. Let's really get to know people. Uh, bring people over, have meals. Like there, that is like the, the best way to go deeper with somebody is just to get coffee with them, get a meal, have people over. The next is to be yourself. This was a really difficult one for me. Let people get to know the real you, the stuff we try to hide, as well as the stuff um, uh, that we don't yet know if people will understand if we don't have it all together, that kind of thing. Uh, one little image that I had uh, for this is this is a sociology thing called the Jahari window. And it is a, um, it's kind of a grid. I'm not going to get too deep into this. Uh, but basically we know that there's things that you don't know about yourself and we don't as a group don't know about me, that kind of thing. There's things in this room that you guys know about me and as well as I know about myself. So those are the open and the unknown kind of things. But in my life, there's things that are hidden that you don't know about me. There's also things that I don't know about me. This has been a huge game changer for me in being married because um, Holly is a mirror that shows me all kinds of things that I didn't know about myself, and she also checks to make sure I don't have things in my teeth. It's just wonderful experience. Um, but this is a good reason uh, that for being known. When, you're, you're, when you are yourself and people can ask questions, even if they're challenging questions, you can grow because people can say, hey, this is kind of inconsistency. What's going on with that? I, it's sometimes those simple little questions that are the things that lead to growth that saves you years of your life. Um, the next one is be where you are. If, uh, if you feel like you should be up here in your life in some area, but you know you're actually here, just be here. Because when you're here, you can grow to there. For a long time, that was a really difficult one to, for me. That might not be for you. Uh, but it took me a long time for my pride to allow me myself just to be where I am. Uh, develop the trust of others. That's a good one. As you develop those, your relationships will build up. Have people you can discuss heart-level issues with. Get friends around you, people that you really can just share when difficult things happen and share quickly. Uh, that is huge support when times, crushing times come. And then finally, just kind of like a little bit of a warning. This is going to be a light warning, but the truth is, um, if you have been here for quite a long time and you feel like, you know what, these people don't know me, one thing that's common is to ask, um, how much am I letting people know me? How, how, how much am I being known to others? And uh, something that I've had to confront myself is, how much am I letting them know the real me, like who I really am? Um, so anyway, those are some just helpful tips. Um, when I first came around Church in the Valley, I met uh, with one of the pastors here. And as some of you guys are doing, I know, the preview class and maybe 101, uh, you go through uh, the heart attitudes, which is basically the, the plays we run to have good relationships here in the church. And when we came to this one, live an open and honest life, this play, um, I said, uh, the pastor had asked, you know, which one of these do you think is going to be the most difficult for you? And I said that one, live in an open and honest life. And uh, again, this was about 10 years ago, but I knew that um, I was a good guy. You know, I, I, I think I had 
a pretty good grip on things. I'm smart. If, if I need to figure something out or change, I can pretty much figure it out for myself. I really don't need too much input. I don't need a lot of people meddling in areas that I don't really want them dealing with. Those were kind of the attitudes and the thoughts that I had. When I joined my first group, however, uh, some of that shifted. Um, I looked around and looked like pretty normal people for the most part. That was a good thing. Um, but they were making progress in their walk with God. And there were areas of their lives that I thought I was really good at, that I was going, they seem to be making more progress at the same age than I am. Um, the leaders, you know, they challenged me and they pushed back on me, but I could tell they weren't trying to, you know, knock my feet from under me. They weren't trying to knock me out or anything like that. They really did have my best interest in mind. And, um, you know, there were tough conversations in there. Uh, also, uh, as a group, I met people that I really could do life with. When really difficult things happened, I was able to open up to them and say, hey, I need help. I need prayer. I need people just to be with me during this time. Um, those were all things that were benefits. So I'd like to challenge um, challenge everyone here. If you haven't uh, signed up for a group, not a plug for the groups. This is a plug for you to get involved. Um, the more you step forward and get involved in a, a group of some sort, whether it's a community group, which are about to start up, um, teams are honestly just taking steps to build friendships in the church. What you're going to notice is that all these kind of things start to happen. You get examples in your life. You see opportunities, uh, and God really uses that as we t- step out in faith and relationships uh, to grow us. And I've seen this um, uh, immeasurably in my life. And, um, I know God will do the same thing for you. So, um, as you, uh, as we wrap up, I'll ask the band to come back up here. And if you would think through, uh, these three next steps we wrote down. One is to clear up any lies that God has brought to my mind. Um, a critical aspect of living an open, honest life for you might be that you've messed up. We've all messed up. And, uh, you know, again, I can give witness to that's a difficult process getting back on track, but sometimes clearing up those lies and just getting it out in the open, that's the first step in saying, okay, fresh start. We live open and honest from now on. The next thing is uh, to move away from isolation and step into a small group, a team, or just friendships here in the community. I'd encourage you to do that. And then finally, we left a blank space so that if there's anything specific that God's told you uh, that you can step into that. Um, let's pray as we close up. Dear God, um, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for um, just your truth and the, the playbook that you really have given us for life in the scripture um, it's not just an old book, Lord God. These are proven plays that you've given us to thrive. And so, God, we just ask that you would help us this week to apply this, uh, that we could live open, honest lives, and that we could um, we could build strong relationships that um, that really change the world. Lord, we love you. Amen.